welcome to the new episode of The Legal Bit. And if you're just tuning in, in this podcast series, we will talk about uh, video games and law and what it's like to work in a video game legal field. Here, you will have the chance to get to know the community a bit more, who we are, what we do, and what the current hot topics of the industries are. And now, for we have a new guest for this um, episode. So, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Rahul. Um, I am currently a trainee solicitor at CMS. Um, but I do have a legal background in previous roles in the video games industry and the esports industry. Nice. Welcome. How are you doing? Thanks very much. Yeah, I'm doing really good. Really <laughs> good. This is my first official podcast. This is really yeah. exciting. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're taking your time as well for this because. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I get pleasure. that you might be probably really busy with all your work. <laughs> nah, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. Uh, so, would you like to tell us more about yourself, about um, like who you are and what your legal background is and what you. Sure. Yeah, no worries. So, as I said, I'm currently a trainee solicitor in CMS London, um, doing my second seat in competition and trade. Uh, but my legal background sort of starts way back in 2014 or 2015 when I joined a boutique media and entertainment firm called Sheridan's. So, that was my first sort of legal role. Mm. And I actually joined the real estate team. Uh, but the firm is really well known for its media and entertainment practice. Um, and as I got there, I kind of was really interested in the interactive entertainment team. Uh, so they do lots of different video games work. And when I got there, I kind of got to know them after a while, started showing my interest and then slowly began doing more work with them. So I should give a shout out to two of my colleagues, my ex-colleagues there, uh, a guy called Tim, who was a associate in the team who would take his lunch times to teach me about video games law Aww. while I was in real estate. Mm. And that gave me sort of the basis that built that the foundation that built my way like into the industry mm. later and a partner in the firm called Daniel G who taught me how to network and how to go to events and sort of meet people and kind of build that sort of personal brand which again was really helpful in getting me to events and meeting other people in the industry who kind of helped me out through my career so they sound really nice. Yeah, yeah. they're really, really That's great. really helpful. Really great. Yeah. Is that the point, like, um, with the first the associate, like, is that the point when you realize that that's something, like, you could do, that, like, putting video games and law together? Um, it was probably a bit before that. So, actually, okay. the reason I applied to Sheridan's initially was because, you know, as growing up, always wanted to work in the video games industry. Mm. You know, I was that kid who would watch E3 every single year and be like, yes. oh, I want to I want to work in this industry. It's so exciting, yeah, amazing. Yeah. I love video games. And then I quickly realized that I've got no skill as a programmer or as an artist or as a writer or as an animator or designer. Same, and same, and same. thought, oh, well, that's the dream dead. There's no way I'm mm. going to make it into the industry. Mm. And, you know, as I was studying my undergraduate degree and so I studied history as my undergrad, oh, okay. but uh, was thinking to go into law. Mm. And then one day it kind of struck me video games companies are businesses they they need lawyers right and then i googled video games law yeah, yeah and literally a couple firms came up sheridan's being one of them mm. and sort of started looking around the website and then just sort of got in touch with them looked into opportunities to work there get work experience and it kind of all just kicked off from there really it was just a eureka moment of like wait a minute <laughs> video games need video games businesses need lawyers yeah and yeah just sort of i think that's the same there. for me as well like i remember like being in finland as well and i was in law school and i figured like oh i could have done like 
uh, international law stuff and human justice uh, stuff and then I figured like it was a bit heavy for me <laughs> I was like man like I'm in law school already what should I do yeah and then I was just like also playing video games I'm like wait wait this <laughs> that, is a that thing moment, right yeah and then you google <laughs> yeah, and you exactly. find all these people yeah, and everything. exactly exactly yeah. uh, do you feel like that so you said like you feel like you've been like a part of like the video game community for a long time like well how long have you played video games for so I've, I've played video games for as long as I can remember. I think it's one of the only hobbies that's kind of stuck with me throughout my whole life. So I've, I've had like a quite varied assortment of hobbies mm. and different things that I was interested in. Um, but they kind of come in phases, disappear after a while. But mm. gaming's the one that stuck around. But yeah. I think my whole sort of start with gaming came from my dad. He had mm. this really old like BBC micro computer and it had like really basic games on it like pool and stuff like that. So I played like, I, that was probably one of the earliest games yeah. I remember playing. Um, and then he bought a proper PC. And when I was about eight, he introduced me to Age of Empires. And that was like my first proper like gaming addiction. I was just like, oh my God, this is the best game ever. Like played it, it every day. It's so good though. And yeah. so good. I just remember like, I didn't really know what I was doing mm. because you know, it's quite complicated when you look yeah. down like into it. But um, I just enjoyed playing it a lot with my dad. Mm. And There's then, something so satisfying about it as well. You oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. And then my dad bought me a PlayStation 1, mm. and that's where it all really kicked off, because that's when nice. I started becoming interested in games. Because yeah. at the time, he, he I, my dad liked it, and he thought, mm. like, oh, maybe he'll enjoy it. Mm. Um, but after PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, that's when I started reading magazines and sort of going on different websites and looking into it, and that's when I sort of developed my own sort of passion for it. Mm. Uh, do you have a lot of friends who do similar things? Like, do you think like a lot of people are interested in video games and who are also doing law? That do you feel like there are a lot of people who are also? Doing yeah, definitely. Law? I mean, I have I've met a lot of people from working at Sheridan's, and then I later worked at yeah. ESL, yeah. Uh, which I think we'll come on to later. Mm. Um, but I've met a lot of people who are lawyers who are interested in the field, um, and then you know we go to networking events, we come. Mm. we chat, we become good friends, and they always kind of come to the conclusion. Like, I always played video games. Mm. And now I've kind of come to this point where it's becoming so big. Um, I think video games law is gonna, you know, be needed. Yeah. And I've sort of, yeah, it's been really. It's definitely, it's, yeah, it's just growing, mm. and I've made a lot of friends from going to these events. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so, from your experience working in the industry, do you find that um, more people would be needed in the field, or do you feel like um, that there are? already quite a bit yeah i think i think so i mean so looking at sort of traditional games mm. uh i think they're getting more complicated mm. so you know like nowadays you get a lot of sort of games as a service and that you know games are always online and mm. with that comes like a whole host of like more complex yeah, legal yeah. issues it's not as simple as just burn the game onto a disc and mm. it's done and then that's it like you mm. know with a ps1 game now it's all online and like yeah. collecting data all the time and there's all those all the regulatory issues um that will come with it yeah i feel like people like from eight ten years back when i realized that like one day they would have to you know no gambling law for example yeah for, like, yeah the exactly industry so, exactly like, yeah and i think in terms of whether more are needed it's not not just a case of having lawyers that know the law it's mm. like people who know the industry Definitely, and yeah. they know the kind of obstacles that you know from a traditional games point of view, like developers come up against. Because I've, I've heard so many stories um, from independent developers mm. who 
you know, it's this heartbreaking stuff. Like they've been developing game for two years and then they realize that, oh, they didn't register this trademark properly uh, and someone's copied their idea yeah. and now suddenly their game is like not unique and it's useless. And yeah, yeah, yeah. someone who's bigger than them was able to make it faster. Mm. And it's just, it's really sad when stuff like that happens. And mm. I think it's a case of like, you know, video games lawyers who will go out into the public go to events and not as well not just do law but also educate people on mm. sort of the services that we can provide and what we can help with um because i think that would be really important really helpful yeah no i feel i really do feel that like that's why i at least currently i'm trying to focus my dissertation on like video game cloning stuff so mm. like i can like especially because i have a lot of friends uh back in finland who do um like uh, mobile gaming themselves that because it's so easy to do it nowadays and it's so easy to get into it but then like a lot of times like if they it's so you see so many similar type of games and then it's so easy for like a small creator to create something and then like a bigger creator to create that same thing yeah. but then that's the one that gets like out there yeah rather exactly, than, like, the exactly. Original creation. Yeah. It's, it's really heartbreaking definitely yeah. and it's one of those things like it would be great to contribute to it yeah Okay, but uh, to what direction do you see the industry going and and how do you see that shape your role within the legal community? I mean, oh, it's really hard to say where the games industry is going because yeah. I think it's one of the, like, in terms of sort of the industry itself, there are kind of new innovations happening all the time. So like, you know, recently Google Stadia was announced mm. and they've yeah. got this whole like, you know, no console required. It's all just streaming and done directly. Um but, you know, there's still going to be challenges with that and like like whether or not like, you know, in five years, everyone just adopts like a similar system. Yeah. Um, or whether like consoles will still be around because I think they will um, just because, you know, some of the things with Stadia, um, you know, for example, like first party titles, like what content are they going to be able to secure for their platform? Like would Sony give them, you know, all of their first party titles and let, like allow that to be on the platform like i don't know i mean they've already sort of just a few days ago announced the specs for the new playstation console so they are making a boxed console that will sit on your tv shelf or mm. your, your sort of setup so i think there'll be challenges with that so i'm not sure that's going to be like the complete direction but it's definitely something that could happen yeah and then in terms of sort of the games and like the way that we consume video games really have no idea because it's one of those things where you don't know what you want until it happens and then you're like oh wow this is crazy this is new this is amazing so i remember this is just a pure rumor that i heard um but like for example with uh it was, it was some reddit post about <laughs> right. uh death stranding which is mm. uh hideo kojima's sort of new title that he's developing and they were saying that oh that he might there was some rumor that you know it's going to have like social media like integration like your personal social media will integrate into the game and then that can sort of affect or influence certain aspects of it and again complete speculation yeah. no idea if that's true but, but that would be really intense but that's that's yeah. an idea or a concept which yeah. could happen and you know no one i don't think anyone's really thought about that mm. but then when they do that oh actually that's kind of cool and i feel like that's how what the future of the industry is like i won't know where it's going until it happens then I'm like, yeah, oh, like why didn't I think of that yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah it, again like I feel like that's what we mentioned earlier how like unpredictable the industry can be a lot of times and in what ways like you can kind of bring that interactivity to people yeah in, like new ways console no console and like, yeah yeah definitely. how much of yourself is being put into the game I feel like like <clears> especially <throat> nowadays you have a lot more of like choices matter types of games as well which yeah, are like yeah. really uh, like I mean I, I think this is like a question that a lot of people ask. Like, for example, the 
what, what was it the Netflix show with Black Mirror oh, Bandersnatch uh, yeah, yeah, yeah like in that sense as well like it like that's a way to kind of get people more involved and yeah like more having, interactive yeah yeah in that sense that like they find really new and innovative ways to do yeah. it and it's really it's yeah. really cool it's like people cleverer than I am will yeah. come up with yeah. the innovative ways <laughs> so I don't know what they are mm, exactly <laughs> yeah but okay so going back to I guess your first job at the what was it called sorry Sheridan's yeah Sheridan's yeah yeah uh, so I guess to ask a bit more about, uh, they did some esports, right? Uh, yeah, so yeah. they they did have an esports practice. Um, it, it, it's sort of grown since I've left. So mm. um, when I was there, yeah. it was kind of being developed because mm. um, okay. they had a they had a separate sports team and then an interactive entertainment team. Yeah, right. And they kind of took people from both and sort of formed an esports team. Mm. But I kind of had left by the point that that had actually fully happened. Okay. Okay. Um, then uh, how did you end up working for the like at uh, for the legal side of esports? Yeah, yeah. So um, I so after Sheridan's, I moved to ESL mm. uh, ESL UK, yeah. which is one of the uh, sort of tournament operators mm. on the esports side of things. And it kind of happened again at an event. So it was like a networking thing. Um, there was an event called mm. EGX Resed. Um, which yeah, no, is hosted yeah, yeah, yeah. in London. Yeah. Uh, that actually, the event happened, I think, a week or two no, ago. No, it's just like, that sounded really familiar. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so when I was... So the reason that I left Sheridan's is because um, I was told that when I got my training contract offer for mm. CMS, mm. Um, I had to do the LPC full-time. Right, yeah. And I wasn't really able to do Sheridan's and the LPC full-time, so I began looking for like a more flexible role. Mm. Um and that's when I went to Res, went to the sort of Yuki Careers Bar. Mm. And uh, so Yuki is sort of like this government organization that sort of mm. um, kind of represents the interests of the UK video games industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so really, really like good mm. organization, um, really interested in like developing the industry in the UK. I feel like if you're like part of the industry in one way or another, you really always come across Yuki. Yeah, definitely. I, I just definitely. moved here as well from uh, Finland. And then like uh, like during my first weeks of taking like my interactive entertainment course, I just see it like all the time. Yeah, Yuki, yeah. Yuki, that Yuki newsletters. And, yeah, but it's yeah, really yeah. good. But it's yeah. really useful. Definitely. And so at, at EGX Res, they did mm. this careers bar, which I think they still do at every res. So they have different speakers come in from different parts of the industry. Mm. Um, kind of explain the opportunities that were available. And one of the talks that I attended was given by the managing director of ESL UK, so a guy called James Dean. Mm. Um, he gave this really great talk about careers in esports, and one of his slides, he sort of talked about the different opportunities that were available, and one of the slides said legal. And I was like, oh, of course, like, why don't I have a chat with him about this? And then, so when he finished his talk, had a chat with him. And he said, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, um, get, there's nothing at the moment, but, you know, send me your CV and we'll see what happens. And I thought that at the time, I thought, okay, it's like a polite, yeah, like, I, no. Yeah, you hear that a lot. Yeah. 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 I was like, okay, like, yeah. I tried. And then, lo and behold, three months later, he actually emails me like, hey, I remember talking to you at yeah. Res, and you said you're interested in, like, a legal position in our company. Um, yeah, we have something. Do you want to come in for an interview? Ooh, and it yeah. just went from there. And, and then within, like, you know, two weeks after that, I yeah. was, like, you know... As soon as I left Sheridan's, I basically the next week was at ESL. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was really good. So. And that fit with your. Uh... Yeah. So the, um, that was sort of more of a flexible role. So mm. I was kind of a lot of. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I I don't I don't ah I only had classes um, three t three days a week. So yeah. the other days I'd sort of go into the office or I could work from home. They they were quite flexible with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, it was really, really good experience because like the legal team was was quite small, yeah, and I was able to have a lot of sort of direct exposure to esports work. So mm. it, was, it was a lot of sort of commercial contracts. Yeah, so yeah. Start off with like sort of NDAs mm. uh, for like business development. So whenever they were talking to sponsors, I'd have to help draft those. Um, then we'd get to like sort of sponsorship agreements. Um, and then for the events that ESL hosted, um, I would often sort of negotiate and help draft sort of service level agreements, so like contracts with the venues or contracts with different contractors that we bring in. Um, then I had a sort of like employment side of things. So like when we hire talent, uh, to, so sort of casters, analysts, I kind of work with them. Um, also sort of did a lot of research on different aspects of the law that sort of related to esports. So for example, advertising, uh, whenever we did events, you know, there's all these things about like, when you put ads in the middle of a stream, you have to have, sp mm. there are sp specific uh, regulations about the PEGI rating and like how it's displayed and how right, prominent yeah. it is. And we had to do like, cause the regulations aren't really specific to esports. So you kind of have to read them and interpret them and figure right. out how it applies to a, a live stream. Um, so that was really interesting, quite mm. unique, and I think that really gave me like a really good experience. Of, that sounds super diverse as yeah, well. Super yeah, super diverse. I think when you work in-house, mm. you kind of do a bit of everything. Yeah. Um, so even towards the end of my time, I was getting involved in some of the bigger like media licensing deals. Yeah. So the last month that I was there was when ESL UK hosted the first UK Dota 2 major, mm. uh, ESL 1 Birmingham. But that event started on the exact same day that GDPR came into force. Right. So the build up to that event basically meant all of my sort of superiors and like sort of the main legal team were focused on GDPR and becoming compliant. And so on the UK side of things, I got a lot more exposure to sort of some of the really bigger, like the big deals that they were doing. And mm. so I, it was really, really good experience. Like, like learned so much from it. What did you specialize in during like your masters or did like, uh, yeah. Um, so I guess because I did history as my undergrad, yeah, as undergrad um, yeah. I did the law conversion course where it's oh, sort okay. of all set core, core subjects. Mm. So you don't really get to choose anything. I did. So there in was like general, a, you did like uh, like everything. Yeah, a bit of everything. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the, the LPC was the same. Yeah. So when CMS offered me the training contract, um, they choose your electives mm. to fit sort of the practice areas of the firm, which makes sense. Mm. Um, so I, again, didn't have much choice in what I was studying. So I kind of did a bit of everything. There's a lot of like corporate mm. sort of electives, which yeah. makes sense for where I am. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so do you follow esports a lot personally? Is it something also that you would want to be involved in a lot more? Yeah, I mean, I there are some esports that I follow. I used to follow a lot more closely than I do now. Yeah. But I think um, League of Legends, still my number one. Um, mm. I follow the... Uh, Oh, it's changed names now. It's not the EU LCS. It's the LEC, mm. and that's the uh, follow the European Championships. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which just the the latest sort of they do it in splits. Uh, the spring split just finished, um, so I was watching that over the weekend. Um, I try and follow it closely. I also try and keep up with North America, but again, it's just there's so many games going on all Absolutely, the time. Yeah. I can can't really keep up with everything. Yeah. Um, I watch some of the really big events for things like Counter-Strike because mm. that's really easy to follow. Mm. Like I don't need to know a lot of in-depth knowledge about the game to understand what's happening. And that's the thing because I don't personally play Dota, for example. So like when I look at it with my friends, yeah. I'm, I just, I'm just... Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I hear people cheering, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think, whatever yeah. happened right now. <laughs> yeah, when I, when I went to Birmingham, 
I, you know, fought ESL one. I remember sitting in the crowd mm. and you know, atmosphere completely electric. Like, everyone's so engaged, yeah. like loving it. And mm. I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Like, even <laughs> though I follow League yeah. and, you know, they're both MOBAs, they're yeah. both sort of similar, like 5v5, mm. it's completely different. And mm. you, if you don't know it, you really can't understand what's going on other yeah. than the fact that, oh, this guy killed one of the champions on yeah, this yeah, guy's yeah. team. And yeah, about that, the, like, yeah. overall mean. Yeah, I get yeah. that because, like, I follow Overwatch, so, like, it's so much easier to watch the Overwatch League because, like, oh, yeah, I, exactly. like I can tell, like, when someone does something, I'm like, oh, okay, that's a yeah, good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, exactly. you can, like, kind of get in with the mood as well with yeah, everyone else. Exactly. And, yeah, exactly. So some of the bigger Counter-Strike events I try and follow. So the last one I watched was... Um, Intel Extreme Masters Katowice back in March. Okay. They had a really, really good Counter-Strike yeah. final. Mm. Uh, really good. Nice. Uh, do you feel that esports is being taken seriously nowadays? Or seriously well, that is either? a good question. Um, I think it's starting to be, be taken more seriously. I think some people definitely do because mm. obviously you get you know these non-endemic companies, so you know companies that have nothing to do with esports traditionally investing huge sums and partnering up with esports companies because they can see the potential mm. so that's definitely a clear sign that it's being taken more seriously and, and I, it makes sense right because mm. like esports targets a demographic which is quite highly sought after like you know you got like sort of youngsters between yeah. like 20 to like 35 mm. you know they've got high spending power that's true and this is who brands, this is who esports talk. Like, these are the people who watch esports, mm. and by partnering with them, brands are like penetrating that audience. Yeah. Um, so I think those, those people who kind of see the potential um, are definitely taking it seriously. And I think it's reaping rewards. So there was one, there was one campaign that I always remember, it was uh, from Mercedes Benz. They mm. sponsored ESL One Hamburg. Yeah. And they did this really cool kind of collaboration where. So there's lots of Mercedes branding and like all the teams got their own Mercedes car, mm. um, where they, where, which they would enter the venue from and it's all branded. Yeah. And <clears throat> there was all these memes that were made about it and kind of Mercedes embraced the meme culture. <laughs> right. And they actually ended up like trending on the Dota 2 subreddit, which is like a sacred ground for anyone who likes Dota. Mm. You know, that, that subreddit is really hard to penetrate. Yeah. And like suddenly like Mercedes is trending on it. So yeah. like, if you take it seriously and you do it properly then and you sort of embrace this yeah. sort of you know sort of somewhat difficult market to penetrate because you, know, you, you know internet culture mm. has its sort of negatives i think they've they did a really good job and if, if you do take it seriously you'll do well yeah, but then definitely. on the flip side i'd still have people who come up to me like oh what people actually watch other people play <laughs> video games oh, that's still weird. nowadays yeah and like oh you can get paid to do that that's yeah, a bit yeah. odd and then i'm just like well i mean that's the sort of flip side of the coin mm. i guess yeah that also reminds me of like how um i think it was in korea like the league of legends had like this collaboration with like a k-pop group so like they were able to like bring like new element to a new oh. market of people as well. I, is that the KDA? Yeah, the KDA. Yeah. Thing, yeah. So for the World Championships, yeah. they and did sort of this mm. augmented reality yeah, 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 like yeah. performance of this song. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was really really good. That, that was like, really well that's done. Like, yeah, exactly. That's one of those things. I feel like they were able to like kind of because they know their target audience and they yeah. know like that's also like K-pop is also kind of like for people who listen, are in their twenties, early like youngsters youth yeah and definitely yeah so th that's one of those like pretty amazing things yeah okay what do you uh what are like some of the biggest legal issues you think are within the esports field like is it the players or the contracts or licensing ip issues mm, i mean i think licensing and ip is one because yeah. it's such a 
sort of tricky landscape to navigate. You know, people, especially when you work with companies who don't necessarily know esports, mm. um, I won't name names, but I worked with a company in a previous role who they the the contract that they sent us sort of a standard contract and the terms of that contract were not really relevant to esports and so they came up with like ip issues where they would say we want you to license us all the rights and all the ip and they kind of we, we kind of had to say things like we don't own the game ip we're just the tournament operator the publisher owns that you know there are all these sort of issues about who owns what mm. um because then when when we create you know when we were, when i was at esl and we created like video on demand footage then who owns that ip is it, st- yeah. it still contains game footage but mm. it's sort of an original piece of content mm. um because it'd be edited and sort of cut together in different ways and so there's all those kind of issues which are still kind of a problem mm. um well not a problem but sort of a challenge to figure out like how to deal with them and how to actually sort of figure out like what the best course of action is and like if there's going to be an industry standard for how you deal with stuff like that yeah yeah, that's um, really true. So I think that's one. Um, I guess another one is sort of regulation, like regulation of tournaments. Yeah. And like integrity. Mm. Um, because, integrity. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean by that? As in, so there's this when when you have sort of the stakes of esports tournaments increasing, so prize pools are getting higher. There's mm. more money involved. Yeah. There's a temptation for people to try and sort of cheat or max fit match fixing or like mm. e doping, as some people call it, or just sort of doping in general taking like performance enhancing yeah like Adderall or things yeah. that you know sharpen your focus right yeah and that that stuff has already happened there have been examples of that happening in the past but as the sort of prize pools increase and you know there's more kind of spotlight on this growing disruptive industry with loads of money involved which doesn't it's so young you know the regulatory framework doesn't really exist so this is like an opportunity mm. to sort of make some money out of it and I think, you know, the, the landscape in general, it's so fragmented because each game, you know, with football, you have FIFA that regulates it, but each game is owned by a different publisher yeah, exactly. and has a different yeah. set of rules. So there, there isn't really a way you can make a uniform framework that kind of just mm. sort of stops those kind of things from happening. But we then you get organizations like the Esports Integrity Coalition who kind of, you know, publishers and tournament operators can partner with them and they will kind of enforce sort of a set of regulations mm. um, surrounding like match fixing and penalties and rules and stuff and you can kind of decide whether you want to implement that into your tournament so it's a bit fragmented at the moment so that's sort of a challenge of figuring out like what the best way is to deal with things like that going forward especially when things like betting yeah. are starting to grow as well mm. um, because right, that, yeah. that adds a whole other level of danger to things like match fixing because you know if suddenly like people can bet millions of millions of pounds or you know hundreds of thousands of pounds on the outcomes of matches and you're dealing with sort of youngsters who kind of just want to play you know there's all these sort of ways to manipulate them and Mm. i think that's something from a legal perspective like trying to maybe not not only sort of set the legal side of things but also educate people like even the players themselves mm. um it's such of. a young industry and not only just in itself that's kind of it's very new but also the players are so young yeah it's exactly. like the best players are like 19 18 yeah yeah and it's 
I feel like it's one of those things that like you just kind of need to let it roll and see like how it where it goes. People know are more aware of like oh yeah this is a problem this is a problem this is a problem yeah. and then to somehow regulate it. But I guess you're right like it's so depending on like the publishers themselves rather than like because it's still under like their license or like their yeah. it's their IP yeah. it's their yeah. content. They can kind of do which what, is they can to, take it in whatever direction they yeah. want. And so the onus is sort of on them to decide how they want to go yeah. proceed with things like that. Then what direction do you think esports and streaming industry is going? Um, that's a really hard one. Similar to the gaming one. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't yeah. know. Like, you know, there's so many different ways it could go. Mm. You know, people say, oh, it's going to be broadcast on TV mm. more. Yeah. And I don't know if that will happen because I think there's lots of challenges that come with broadcasting on TV. Um, one of the big ones being how do you monetize it? Because... Mm people are used to watching everything for free on Twitch. No, and if true. you suddenly put, you know, imagine you license like, you know, Intel Extreme Masters will suddenly be exclusively viewable on this terrestrial TV channel. Yeah. And, you, or, you know, it's on some premium TV channel where it's behind a paywall. And if you want to watch all the events, you have to pay something. That's going to That's not going to fit within the industry, yeah. no. People yeah. will not be happy. Yeah. Um, so trying to figure out, like, how you can do TV broadcasting and add value will be sort of a challenge. Mm. Um, I think what's probably more interesting is how you can enhance the viewing experience for people on Twitch. Yeah. So, you know, people, or not just Twitch, but, you know, all kinds of streaming yeah. platforms. Yeah. Um, you know, like Twitch recently introduced that squad stream thing we can get four people stream at the same time so from like an esports perspective you could add maybe five people you could have like the whole team of league of legends on screen like seeing their point of view at the same time um then in the lec at the moment they sort of do these things where the viewers can vote on certain players whose perspectives you can watch on like another channel so there's all these different ways that you could enhance the streaming experience so i think that will be sort of an interesting yeah. like development i, I don't feel know. like it's I, one of those things again it's like let's wait for like the smarter guy to come up with something yeah and yeah innovative yeah innovative idea. i mean there'll be other things i think it's going to keep expanding yeah like geographically oh, yeah like i mean you've got your main regions of eu north america mm. and the far east yeah but then what about like south asia or the middle east or africa yeah or south america yeah um i think those sort of untapped markets like you know i i recently I, well, I'm in the process of writing an article about the esports market in India mm. and how it's actually huge oh, and it's for just real. untapped. I feel like you never hear about like exactly yeah. right. That that was the whole point of the article. It was yeah. this is not a plug by the way, mm. but you can read it eventually. <laughs> I want to read it. Yeah, it. please send it to me. Um, but it's basically that no one really writes about it. Like yeah. it exists and it's massive, but there are a number of reasons why no one really knows anything about it, which yeah. I sort of outlined in the article. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking like you know once people realize that these markets are there and they have the potential to grow even bigger mm. they're going to start maybe they'll maybe they'll be sort of league of legends in south asia mm. or maybe there's going to be like a whole other like csgo yeah. like, i mean i don't actually fully know how the csgo league works but you know if they if they go into other regions and have more competitions up in mm. within a region then it could expand that way mm, definitely uh, so do you have any final notes before and we had to uh, we're actually really running out of time we were like really okay well I mean so. I mean I think that pretty much sums it up like that's mm. sort of me in a nutshell yeah uh, my background sort of a few of my thoughts so I think mm. I think that's pretty much yeah. I mean, unless you had any like final kind of questions for me anything about like people getting in with esports in the industry okay 
I mean, I think inspirational quotes. <laughs> well, okay, my 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 pro tip, mm. I guess it's it's gonna be really cheesy. It's the three yeah. three P's. Okay. It's this is something that I sort of just thought of. Mm. So don't expect any great things. <laughs> uh, it's be personable, be nice, just kind of get out there and just be a friendly person, mm. and then people will kind of take a shine to you, and then that's sort of helpful in building a network. The other one is be proactive. Um, I went to that EGX Res event and I went to the careers talk and then I talked to James mm. and that's sort of how it all happened. Yeah. Like people who wish that they were in the industry, like you just have to put a bit of effort in and you can actually do it. Like it's there are jobs available in the industry. There's loads of different opportunities. You just have to seek them out and spend a bit of time and effort finding them. And the last one's persevere. Um, when I was looking for my first job going to Sheridan's, I spent ages sort of sending speculative applications to different places, even like in-house games companies, you know, like a lot of publishers are based in the UK. So Square Enix have offices here, Capcom mm. have offices here, Activision have offices in the UK. So I was sort of sending loads of speculative emails, like co almost like cold calling, but just sending emails yeah. with CVs attached, hoping that someone will pick something up. Mm. And eventually Sheridan's did. did. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, just persevere. And That's then, very good. Yeah. yeah. These are useful three yeah, pieces. Well, so, well, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm glad. I'm, I hope, I hope someone for that. wants me. So. <laughs> yeah. But, um, okay, so I think we'll end the episode here. And so for the listeners, thank you for tuning in for this episode. And thank you, Rahul. Cool. Thank you very for much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Um, so see you guys in the next episode then. Bye.